Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Air It Out podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Guskowsker, here at the As Always, checking in for episode 54. You know, I'm going to go with a name a little bit off the chart, Rich Gossage of Major League Baseball. Why? Well, his first three letters of his last name match that of mine. So the Rich Gossage episode, episode 54, coming live at you. We've got Jolan in the booth. Jolan, I know you're going with a bigger name here. Oh, yeah. Um, the reason he had to go with the under name is because I went with Erlacher, obviously eight pro, eight-time Pro Bowler, five-time All-Pro, Hall of Famer, um, not, retired with nine records for the Bears, 2000s All-Decade Team, 2000 Rookie of the Year, pretty sure he's Defensive Player of the Year in 05, all that good stuff. Brian Erlacher, if you don't know him, look up his highlights. Yeah, I mean, look up his highlights. Unfortunately, you're going to find some stuff outside of football uh, that he's been talking about. That's what he's been in the news for lately. But we're going to keep it rolling here, John. we got a lot to talk about. Let's start right there in the NFL. And uh, I know, you know, again, we talked about having Schaefer on the episode. Timing restrictions have uh, not allowed that to happen yet, but that will occur, I promise you. But we got some NFL we're going to talk about here. Yeah, so we sit, we skipped sink or swim last week because we expected to have Schaefer and things didn't go aside. We'll have him again for the miscellaneous players. But I wanted to jump right into the defensive players in a contract year, their final year if they're going to sink or swim, get a big extension, or possibly hit free agency. Let's start right now with Jamal Adams, obviously glorified linebacker to me. Seattle traded for him. Big, big pieces. What do you think happens here? I think they should play him at linebacker. I'm not. I'm going to be completely honest with you. Play him a little bit outside. He can be that third linebacker to complement KJ Wright and Bobby Wagner, uh, and he can cover everybody that a linebacker needs to cover. And even you know sometimes where linebackers find themselves in mismatches, he won't be a mismatch. So uh, I want. I, I like Jamal Adams to swim this year, second year in the system. Uh, I think he plays a little bit better. As long as he stays healthy, I think he plays a lot better this year. I think he swims. I mean, great point. But if he does sink, I feel like teams will pay a big dollar for him regardless. If this um, is a down year and Seattle doesn't want to sign him to that big extension, then... Yeah, they'll pay him like six, seven mil a year, even even if he stinks this year. So, uh, interesting year for Jamal Adams. I think he's going to get paid either way. It's just whether that dollar amount meets what he expected uh, or not. So now let's move to a guy who's on the back end of his career, Gilmore, who, who's at age 30 now. Stefan. He's in a contract year with the Patriots. What do you think happens here? It's re- it's really tough. I don't think Bill gives him an extension before the season. I don't see it happening. But I do think Stefan Gilmore understands, you know, he's not old by any stretch of the imagination, but he is getting up there in terms of his NFL career and the years he's putting and the mileage on his body. I do believe that he comes out this year, he's going to be frustrated because, he, I, like I said, I don't believe he gets the deal. But I think, he's, I think he swims. I think he's going to be good this year, a revitalized and re-energized Patriots organization. Now, whether that leads to playoffs or what, or you know, another four-win season, I, I can't tell you. So, But I think Stephon Gilmore rises to the occasion. Again, another guy that gets healthy and swims this year. Now, let's go to his counterpart. Immediately, oh J.C. Jackson, also in a contract year. Do they retain them both? Who are the other? And do they both come back at all? It's interesting. You're going to have to – I would imagine Bill would pick one of them, and it's going to be whoever has the better year. J.C. Jackson, a bit younger. Right, a bit younger, but you know, and we'll see the price tag. Now, my money would be on Bill resigning him because of those factors we just stated, not necessarily the injury history. However, this year, I think he sinks. I don't think he has a good year at all. Um, you know, it just kind of works that way in the NFL where 
You really, usually you're, you can get one great corner and then everybody else is picking on the other one. So we're really going to find a lot about JC Jackson this year. We're going to find out a lot about him, a lot more than you already know, but I think he sinks this year. Let's go to guys in uh, their fifth-year options right now after rookie year deals. Darius Leonard, who's in contract year, sink or swim? I think he, I think he swims. I mean, that dude, that dude can challenge Michael Phelps swimming because, uh, and and I'm obviously I'm kidding with that, but Darius Leonard is one of the best linebackers we have in this game uh, right now. He's up there with Devin White, and and notice if you go through the top linebackers in this league, they're all young guys. They're all young guys just coming up. Darius Leonard, perfect fit, especially in Indianapolis. He'll get a mega deal. I think he swims this year. Let's go to an outside linebacker and a rush guy over in Pittsburgh, TJ Watt, in the final year. His deal, sink or swim? I think... And oh, does he stay in Pittsburgh? This is uh, this is going to get a lot of Pittsburgh fans upset. I think he sinks this year. I think he, he struggles, or he's going to struggle without Bud Dupree on the other side of that, that defense because... It takes pressure off of him. Now they can send double teams if and when they need to. Now, he's going to have counters to that, and he needs to execute them. However, I don't think I don't think it's enough. I do think he re-signs with Pittsburgh, but I think he sinks this year, and I think he's got a very down year in terms of the numbers we're used to him putting up. That may mean he, he has a great year comparative to the NFL, but comparative to his stats, I think he sinks. Which, in his fairness, always in defensive player of the year conversation, right. so those numbers are typically higher than most of the league, so a down year could be average for the rest of the league as well. Right. So let's go uh, from the East Coast all the way to the West Coast. Fred Warner right here. Do you think he sinks or swims? 49ers. Oh, I think he sinks. I think he sinks. Listen, he's a great player. He's got a lot of talent. Unbelievable leader for that defense. Robert Sala leaving that defense, it, I think, is a lot bigger blow than people are giving credit. I don't care if Robert Sala's brother is the next guy to step in as D coordinator. It will not be the same, and I think I think Sala was just that good of a coach defensively. And Warner, again, as good of a player as he is, I think fed off of what Robert Sala did and the schemes that he was able to put him in. And uh, I, I think he sinks this year. And anyone that thinks, oh, Shanahan can fix it, Shanahan can fix it, he's all offense. He's always been. He's leaned on Rob Sala to do the defense for as long as he's been there, and it's worked out that way and pretty well for him. Let's move on to our last player right now in the sink or swim, Tyron Matthew. Where does he go? I See, I think he swims because of the system that he's in, and I think Kansas City would be a fool to let him go, and I think he'd be a fool to want to go anywhere else. Now, money-wise, obviously – Somewhere else is going to be be able to pay him a lot more money than Kansas City can. But schematically and fit-wise, he's got to stay in Kansas City with Steve Spagnolo. Love Steve, love Spags. You know, he's the he's he's one of the great defensive coaches that we've had. He's beat Brady twice in a Super Bowl, you know, and and all this kind of stuff. He's got a 2-1 record, still winning record against Brady in the Super Bowl. And I just think with what he's able to do with Tyron, this is the perfect fit. And I like them, again, through the regular season. I think they're going to be very, very good. And I think that means he's going to play really good. So I think they, I think he swims. Let's just throw in a miscellaneous oddball right now. Sure. Due to the matchup that happened this past week with Rodgers versus Brady on the green, golfing, two of the best with Phil Mickelson and Bryson. Uh, can't pronounce his last name right now. DeChambeau. DeChambeau. There we go. Regardless, um, there were questions and comments on TNT to Aaron Rodgers about where he would end up and where he would go. And he said he does not know. So Aaron Rodgers is now in our sink or swim. 
if he plays for Green Bay, does he swim? Does he sink purposely? Yeah, he'll no, he'll swim. He'll be fine. Um, listen, he's one of the great players we've seen. One of the one of the greatest players in this era that we've grown up in. He'll be fine. He'll do what he has to do, and that team will be back in contention to go to the Super Bowl once again this year because that's how their roster is constructed, and that's how Aaron Rodgers' level will be despite whatever he's putting out there on TV right now uh, because really the window of opportunity for them to trade him has already passed by a couple weeks, if not months. So I think at this point he knows he's going to play for Green Bay this year, and he's got to he's got to swim in order for them to be great and him to get off get people off his back. Consider that a one A, and this is one B right here for that question. If Rodgers does not come back, does Devontae Adams go out west and um, with his buddy uh, Carr in Vegas? And well, I big think speculation it, on that. I think he goes somewhere. Uh, I think Devontae Adams ain't just going to sit there with Jordan Love. Uh, you know, if they loved Jordan Love, they would have come out and said we love the guy, but. You know, there, there's really been this, like, ominous quiet about the Packers. And especially with COVID last year, there was all this no media in practices. Mm-hmm. So we haven't seen Jordan Love fully until this past couple weeks. And then we know now, it's probably not that guy. Right. So I think Devontae Adams, if Aaron Rodgers leaves, whether that's this year, next year, whatever, he's trying to get out too. He's right, right alongside uh, Discount Double Check, trying to get his one-way ticket out of town. Interesting, is, interesting, interesting. Yeah. That basically I mean, wraps up the NFL right now, but we got big news in the NBA. Goose, well, go to the NBA. We've got the finals, and currently right now, as this podcast is being recorded, it is 2-0 in the series. The Suns are up. I think the Suns have just played exceptional team basketball. I think Mike Budenholzer is getting completely outcoached. Monty Williams, again, you know, you talk about all the he should have been the coach of the year over Tom Thibodeau. I believe believe if we go back and listen to it, I said something along those lines that Monty should be the coach of the year and Tom would get it because it's the Knicks. The narrative and we see this all the time. When you grow up in an era where you watch LeBron James, you understand these things. People win the regular season MVP and then what happens come postseason time? Wait a minute, we should have given it to this guy. I think that's what what you're seeing with Monty Williams right now is Oh crap! We we probably should have given him the award, uh, even though you know it is only a regular season award. They still had a great regular season. Like I'm they pretty sure slack. if Monty wins this title, he will not care about no, Coach of the Year. No. I'd rather go home with the hardware and ring. I still don't think he cares about it. Even if they lose the series, yeah, Monty's lose, a great coach. Decorated. They could lose the next four and lose in six, and I don't think he cares about the he- uh, Coach of the Year award. But uh, Chris Paul has been spectacular. He's been really good. Devin Booker has looked fantastic. DeAndre Ayton, we saw him great game one, little low game two, and then the famous Monty Williams pep talk to kind of get him going. And that's what great coaches do. He's an aggressive big. Right. Love to see it. And got him going, playing without worrying about the stats because his stats weren't there. He was was worried about playing with, as Monty says, playing with force uh, rather than stats. He played with force. Uh, and he was terrific. Now, DeAndre Ayton's young. And I said before the pod, maybe he could have a Shaq comparison, strictly based on like his dominance to the game. You said you don't see it. Where does DeAndre Ayton end up career-wise at the end of all of this? Yeah, I, don't, I just don't see it as the pure dominating, I'm bigger than you, yeah, get out of my way. Yeah, that's rule. I understand that. Right, too. right. So I don't see it. But I think he's a great fit for the modern-day NBA because he's athletic enough to 
guard respectably, uh, respectably instead of some of these guys that you literally, like the Lakers, cannot have Marcus all on the floor when it actually matters Ever. because he can't guard a guard. DeAndre Ayton can at least make it look like he can guard a guard, and he, and he does a pretty good job on defense. So where he ranks or where he could, what's his comp, I honestly don't even know. Kind of have to look at it a little bit, a little bit deeper. Maybe like very young to make a first finals. And yeah, have an impact. I think when you look at those Warriors teams, you had a guy like Kevon Looney, and I think DeAndre Ayton is like a supersized version of that. Like he's actually got an offensive game, but in terms of the way he plays defense, can switch, can do a lot of different things. That's that's his comp for now. I'll, uh, I'll obviously go back and look at that and see if we can find a better one for him than so, supersized Kevon Looney. It's an interesting question because we've never seen like a modern center develop and have substantial minutes in an NBA Finals yet because the teams we've been used to are LeBron teams and the Warriors the small teams. Ball teams. Yeah, small ball yeah. teams going crazy. So now it's good to see a center having some impact on the game. But that leads us to our next question. Now, if the Suns do win... Who's the MVP? I mean, it's either CP3 or Booker. And, you know, I was listening to Speak for Yourself on on Fox Sports, on FS1, with Marcellus Wiley and uh, Emmanuel Acho. Shout out. Yeah, they're, they're, they're great. I love listening to them. And Marcellus brought up the point, if it's close at the end of this series, like so far CP3 was the dominator in game one. Book, Big time. Book took it in game two. But CP3 had good stats. It, right, right, right. He wasn't. And same thing with game one. Booker wasn't awful, but, like, it was just a CP3 game. So, if it's close, I think they're going to give it to CP3 for the legacy aspect of it. Uh, we see this from time to time. It kind of just happens that way. Um, it, it, and it kind of, you know, it fits a certain narrative. You know, I even think you go back and you look at the 2015 final. Steph Curry wasn't lights out. He was the best player on his team that won the title. And... You could make an argument he should have won Finals MVP. I should have two, but they gave it to Andre Iguodala for quote guarding LeBron, which again fits. You know now when you look back at NBA history, you're like, wait a minute, maybe LeBron should have won that Finals MVP if that's what we're How going. So it's all about narrative, I think. And if it's close, like I said, CP3 takes it. But I mean, if Booker comes out and he's got 50 next, you know, if they win two more and he's got 50 in those. It might be too hard not to give it to him, but we've seen this before. Guys that don't necessarily deserve the MVP have gone on to get the MVP uh, for narrative and legacy purposes. And Steph Curry, realistically, up 3-1 on the Cavs, he should have closed that series out, and he should have two finals MVPs if he takes the Iguodala one, too. Well, so yeah, I mean, he... It's yeah, weird to see. He, I know what you mean. He wins it in 16 if, if they win it. Exactly. So it's a really, really game-by-game game game situation, and then... The biggest point here is Giannis, and Giannis, Drew Holiday, doesn't seem to be working even though they've gotten to the finals. The Eric Bledsoe thing obviously didn't work, and now right. he's on his couch. So what's going on here? Do the Bucks keep intact if they lose? Well, by the way, first of all, Giannis's knee looks great. Yeah. yeah he looks oh, absolutely fantastic. He's superhuman. Now, I will tell you, I've had nasty hyperextensions that have torn part of my ACL and my knee before. And, and I've I've been back in two to three weeks. So Giannis to be back in a week in a couple days when he's getting 24 hours of treatment compared to the three hours a day treatment that I was getting, 
doesn't necessarily surprise me as much as I think it does everybody else. It however, surprises me. However, he looked great in terms of, you know, maybe he was trying to feel... No, he looked good from from Jump Street. Uh, and, you know, again, I, I just think there's, there's still holes in his game that I think are holding his team back just a little bit. I mean, it's not just his game. He dominated the game, too, and they still right. came up short. It's kind of the outside pieces now around him. Who do you think the Bucks either need to bring in or let go for this thing to really flourish? The I, Suns were one move away with Chris Paul. Right. What's the one move for the Bucks? I don't know if there is one. I think they just they they Cultural have to problem. be more consistent. Like it's just that simple. And and here's the problem: the players are inconsistent, and Bud's consistent with his message. He's got the same message before every game. Yada yada yada. Play random. Yada yada yada. Run whatever. And. So, but Chris Middleton's got to be more consistent. You cannot go from 38 in a closeout game against Atlanta to then shooting. I, I, the numbers are probably want to make me throw up if I read you them from game one and two. They're probably disgusting. Drew Holiday, he goes from scoring seven big points in game seven against the Nets to being, I think he took 14 shots in the first quarter in game two. Like, he. They're just not efficient, and they're wildly inconsistent, and they play better at home, which tells me they're more like role players than they are star players, which, again, you could, because if you look at the splits between Drew Holiday and Eric Bledsoe right now, they're nearly identical, and you gave up three, four first-round picks to get Drew Holiday. And it's wild, because that's exactly how it's playing out, and then Brooke Lopez, obviously, phenomenal in the playoffs so far right now, and then he's basically disappeared so it's very very weird to see the Bucs take a turn like that's this. because on the defensive end they're making it a point to go at Brooke Lopez because no matter where you are they, they can't match up with them great point great I mean that basically basically wraps up the NBA for now we will get into NBA free agency as the finals wrap up yes. and all that good stuff obviously who lands where who does LeBron pick up because you know the Lakers are going to add somebody and we will get into all that good stuff coming up yeah, but let's talk some baseball, Joel. On we've got, we're headed into the MLB All Star Game, All Star Weekend, whatever you want to call it, and uh, some teams looking good, some teams looking bad. Where do you want to start in this uh, in in the Major League Baseball world? Yeah, let's start um, right now for teams who could possibly make a late playoff push, or if they're just not going to make it at all after the All Star break. Yeah. Let's start with the Yankees right now. Eight games out of first place. Obviously, the Rays and Red Sox. Red Hot, Red Sox, first team to 50 wins. Who do you like here? Do the Yankees come back, or do one of these teams, the Rays or Red Sox, close it out? Well, I think the Red Sox are much like me. They're going to hate this break that they're going to get uh, because they've been playing so well. You like to keep that rhythm. Now, what I will tell you is, if you're a Red Sox fan, I think your biggest concern comes in these first two weeks after the All-Star break. And you might ask why. Because the Yankees go... Four, four against the Sox, two against the Phillies, and then four against the Sox. That's eight games right there. You know that that will. You know if you're the Red Sox, you either got to split them or you got to win. That's you know if you go, you get swept twice. There's your lead. It's gone. So, but again, if you if you sweep or if you go up, um, then then you're looking at a massive lead of proportions that. It would take three Mets Will Ponds teams to blow, um, you know. But so that that eight game stretch, look out for that eight game stretch right after the All Star break. Listen, I think the Yankees get to the postseason. They're too talented. 
Uh, and, you know, they still got Garrett Cole, who's a top five pitcher in baseball that's unquestionable. He's, he, again, he's had some bad starts. They all have bad starts. He's had some rough ones. He's been out, I believe, before the fourth inning in his last two starts. And then what did he do the other night? He came back and throw a one nothing complete game shutout against the Astros where Aaron Boone went to take him out in the last batter. And he basically told him to go take it and shove it up where the sun don't shine. That's what you do when you're good, though. Yep. And he finished the game, and it was a complete game. It was unbelievable. Great effort. 130 pitches, I think, something like that. Uh, and, and he was just great. So the Yankees still have a lot of talent on this team. they got to get a left-handed bat somewhere. I don't know if they got somebody, some dude in Triple A, Double A, uh, Single A. This I don't, kind of I don't fun, really care. But... They've got to find a lefty power bat to start hitting it over the 140 foot fence in right field that Yankee Stadium seems to have. You know, you got to use that to your advantage. They got to get a lefty. Let's uh, keep it in the AL. We'll go from the East to the Central right now. Obviously, the White Sox are in first place right now, 53 and 35. White hot, literally 31 <laughs> wins at home. Best home team in the MLB. But the Indians are seven and a half games back. What do you think the Indians do here? Do they make a push and close it, or do the White Sox say white hot? I don't. I think, you know, we talked about this. I think the Indians have overachieved so far this year, and they're seven and a half games out. I think that's that's a bad recipe. If you want to stay on the Boston train, you know, what we talked about, we predicted earlier in the year, you could say they overachieved, but at least they overachieved and they're in first place. Boston just figured it out how to win and put pieces right, together. Right, with, right, right. No matter but, what but for the Indians, you overachieved and you're still seven and a half out. That is a recipe for disaster. I think at a certain point, uh, the bend don't break attitude breaks. And I think the Indians uh, will, I think they'll fall. I, You know, they could stay in the seven and a half range for the rest of the year, but I don't see it. I don't see it as coming down to the last day with these crazy scenarios and all that stuff. Uh, I, th- I think the Indians either sit where they are or fall off. They actually fell off a little bit this past week. They were 3-7 and seven in their last 10. Oof. So, obviously, their games back have been dropping, and you might be right. They might be on a downward spiral. From the AL Central, we go to the AL West. Now, there's four teams, four marquee teams right here to talk about. Oh, boy. Because all of them can make a push in the late season. One of them is going to frustrate you. It's the Angels. Oh. The Seattle Mariners. Who are, oh, the Angels are nine games back, excuse me. The Mariners are six games back. The A's are three and a half games back, and the beloved Astros of baseball are in first place. Obviously, no games back. Who do you think closes out with these four teams and makes the late push? I I think eventually the Astros take it. I really do. You look up and down that lineup, and I'm watching the Yankee game the the other night because my buddy's a Yankee fan, and we were at his party, and we were watching it. I was watching it with my brother and his son. And it seems like everybody in that lineup hits 300, at least. Or at least like two seventy five. You have a lot of DJ LeMayu. You have a bunch of dudes that are in Ursula. Just guys that. Can... Oh, I mean on the Astros. Oh, I'm oh, talking about you... the Astros. Oh, I thought I was talking the Yankees. I'm oh, like, oh, they're no, going no, bats no, early. No, 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 no. You're looking up and down the Astros lineup, and it looks like everybody's hitting about three hundred. You know, and I, I mean. just think, I just think that experience again, whether tainted experience, whatever you want to call it, they have experience in these situations, in these close races. It is going to be tight. I think with the Athletics, that is going to be a very Hot race to watch as the season ends. The Angels, you got to be kidding me. Go get a pitcher, please. For God's sake, for Mike Trout's sake, for Shohei Otani's sake, even though I know he can do both, you need another one. I mean, you go out and find yourself some pitching. You'll thank me later and uh, and find your way and claw back into this thing. In Seattle, Seattle's a team, you know, again, that's 
wildly overachieved. If you listen to their fan base, if you listen to anybody in Seattle, they have way overachieved this year. Can they stay in it? I think so, just because of this division and the ups and downs and the flows of this division. I think they could stay in it, but in terms of serious threat, where we could say a three-way tie at the end of the season, I don't see it. I think Seattle sits in that five to seven game back range uh, for most of the rest of the year. Now, you mentioned experience to close out the division, and that's yep. a great transition to our next division of the NL West. Another three teams really, really in a hot bid for the playoffs and to win the division. Yep. The San Francisco Giants, who have performed all of our expectations, the Dodgers, and the Padres. Padres only five games back. Dodgers are only two games back. Where does this division end up? I mean, the Giants have exploded our expectations, right? I mean, like, they, we, you know, I did not see them being this type of baseball team this late into the year. So, obviously, I think they're there. I think, I think LA, what's LA back right now? Two games. Two games. So, going into the All Star break, I think eventually, eventually, LA overtakes. Uh, and then I think the competition comes between the Padres and the Giants. We'll obviously see. Dodgers still waiting to hear about uh, Trevor Bauer, his availability. They just uh, added another week to his leave of absence as he's being investigated right now for sexual assault. And so that obviously that would be that would be a big blow if he's out the rest of the year. I still think they're the champs. I still think they've got a lot of talent. I still think they catch the Giants, but and, and that's the race that goes down to the final week of the year. But the Padres again, Tatis. All that talent on that roster. Slam Diego, they, pinch hitters. They can find a way. Yeah, I mean, they just had a relief pitcher hit a grand slam off Max Scherzer the other night. Fourth inning, down eight. <laughs> which is ridiculous. Um, so I think the Padres the Padres are that lion in the back that's kind of like creeping around, waiting for their opportunity. And if they get it and can take a stranglehold, I, I could without a doubt see it. But I think it's going to go Dodgers, Giants, Padres by the time we get to the end of September. Uh, obviously, we can see all three teams making a playoff push. Maybe if oh, absolutely. Playoffs. I think the NL West steals both wild cards. Yeah. So that brings us to the NL Central right now. We have the Brewers in first place at fifty-three and thirty-eight. Second place, or who could only really make a bid right now, are the Reds. Five games back, you could say the Cardinals and the Cubs, but they've been disastrous over the last ten. Reds are eight and two though over the last ten. They've shortened the lead to five games. What do you think they do? I mean, they've got they've got a pair of outfielders headed to. The, to start the All-Star game. And Castellanos uh, and Winker, I think is his name. Uh, they've just been, they've been solid all year long. And I think, you're right, they're the only ones that could give the Brewers any any hope. So they're probably eyeing up that second wild card uh, as much as anybody else. And could they stay hot? I could see it. Why? Because they fly under the radar. They, they just, nobody, nobody, I don't think, coming into this year, and we'll have to listen back to our tapes at some point, I don't think anybody gave them much of a fighting chance. I think we all knew the Pirates were going to be bad. I kind of like the Cubs this year, mm. but they have underperformed big but, time. Now they're on sale. But the Reds, I don't think anybody was really big on the Reds. So, no. you know, I think it's, I think it is a little bit of a shocker. I, I do think it is, uh, it is something that they can use that underdog mentality to keep it going. Now let's move into our last division here, the NL East. The Mets are in first place at 47-39. and 39, And in second place are the Braves, uh, four games back. And third is Phillies with four and a half games back. But there's news here for the Braves. Bruce, what's going on in the NL East? Yeah, unfortunately, Ronald Acuna Jr. of the Braves, their star player, their best player, uh, he tore his ACL the other night in a, in a real scary um, in a real scary play. 
I, I, I honestly haven't even seen it yet, but I mean, listen, when you tear your ACL in baseball, uh, that's, that's, that's a rare, rare injury you see in the sport. And obviously we hope him as speedy a recovery as possible. They're saying nine to 10 months. Uh, so we'll see him next year, hopefully. And, uh, you know, again, just, just wish him all the best and you feel bad because even though he's in your, in your division, He's a great player, and he means a lot to that city. So, so um, Acuna injury, um, ball gets hit to the outfield, right close to the wall. Obviously, him doing what he does, he takes a leap, left hand out, both legs land, one leg doesn't land properly, he goes down. Mm. Um, field assistance, medics, all that good stuff was there. Yeah, I did um, see him get carted off. Very, very scary, and logistically, it's not good for the Braves. This team will no. probably take a big, big hit. But on the counterpart, there's teams that can maybe slip ahead of them now. Do you think the Nationals maybe gain ground to that second or third place era? Yeah, I mean, we'll see. You know, they, they could rally behind uh, the fact that Acuna's not there. Listen, they haven't been they haven't been terribly great. Only six games back. No, so nobody, nobody has been great in that division. Uh, do I think the Nationals could catch them if they take a dive? Without a doubt. Um, do I think they'll take a dive? I think they'll probably play 500 ball the rest of the year. And uh, unfortunately, it'll just be wait till next year, wait till uh, Acuna gets back. But uh, they've got a great young core that I don't think they should be, you know, overly concerned about yet. So that wraps up all of our division standings. But you just segued us into a great topic I wanted to ask you about. Cool. Great young cores that get older and are on sale. The Chicago Cubs are selling the team. Yeah. Do the Mets have a chance to grab Chris Bryant or Rizzo or something here? Help us out. Of course. They they are looking to add third third base depth while they wait for J.D. Davis to come back. And even when he comes back, they're talking about upgrading that position. And Chris Bryant is, is from what I understand, on the market. Uh, could very well be in play for the Mets. And I, and I don't think they'd have to give up the farm for him. So here's the thing. You could have J.D. Davis play a couple spots around the infield, and he'll still perform well. That could give Lindor days off needed down the stretch. Right. That could give a bunch of guys needed um, time in the playoffs. I think we got to pursue one of them. Well, it's interesting because the Mets are running into a very good problem right now. They have a lot of guys that are still hurt that are going to come back, and you've got a lot of guys that have proven a lot. Like Jose Peraza has been great. Villar. uh, Villar has been great. Pilar has been great. All oh, these, yeah, yeah uh, McKinney, since we got him from the Brewers, he's been great. All these guys have been great, and we're still going to get, you know, the core back, and you're like, who's out? And I honestly, who's out? I who asked, goes down? I asked you who the Mets retain and who they, we think end up leaving, Nimmo, all those guys. The list gets longer now. They, they the better, list gets longer now. Well, listen, I'll tell you, Nimmo better, better be at the top of that list because he has been the catalyst to the Mets going, I believe, 5-2 and two in their last seven. He's been unbelievable at that leadoff spot. He runs to first base every single time, and he just smi- he's smiling, he's having fun, the fans love him. And that's what it is. He's a great contact hitter. And in the sport of baseball, in today's era, we've kind of lost that. Yep. Guys just get on base, maybe steal a second, or maybe from third to home get in on an infield single or something like that. We need those guys in baseball, and it's great to have him back. Yeah, I think it's great. It's great to have him back. And you know what's great to be back, Joe, on the Home Run Derby. The Home Run Derby is going to be on Monday night. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not taking Shohei Otani. First of all, I wouldn't win any money if I bet on him anyway. But I'm going to, <laughs> t- I'm going to take uh, homeboy Pete Alonso uh, to go back-to-back. The polar bear has started to wake up in the past few weeks. He's starting to hit the ball out of the ballpark at the rate we saw him in his rookie season. Uh, he hit the home run off of Chapman on 4th of July weekend. And 
I I like Pete Alonso to go back to back in the home run derby. Okay, let me paint the picture for all you listeners that don't see the bracket. Let's Ota- go, Michelangelo. Number one is Otani versus number eight in Soto in the first round. Second matchup of the first round is Salvador Perez versus Pete Alonso in the four five. Uh, two versus seven is Joey Gallo versus Trevor Story, and three versus six is Matt Olson versus Trey Mancini. Now I'm gonna pick Matt Olson because I do not like the matchup of Otani and Alonso of anybody to win that. Uh, and you, take think, that you think they're gonna? You, well, first of all, that, but they might wear themselves out. Exactly. Too. Exactly. That's gonna be a big second round. Olson has an easier path to the finals. I think he takes less swings to move on, and he's fresh for the finals. I got my money on Matt Olson. Interesting. So you got Olson. I got Alonzo. Nobody's got Otani. Otani's no not money gonna, to win there. You hear Otani hasn't taken batting practice the entire year. I call bluff. That's that's his hitting coach said that. Okay, that's, that's probably re, that's <laughs> I ridiculous. I thought it was like a reporter. That means he just shows up to the ballpark and hits dingers. Like that's, that's awesome. That is fantastic. But Good that's for baseball. That's gonna wrap it up for baseball, and uh, you know we'll get into a little miscellaneous stuff, which we usually do at the end, Joel. Unfortunately, we got some bad news this week. Uh, the Olympics will be without fans this year, as Japan is in a state of emergency. Not like I was going, but yeah. Yeah, due due <laughs> to the uh, due to an outbreak in COVID, they are back in a state of emergency. So maybe Shikari Richardson knew something we didn't, and uh, and won't be in attendance anyway. Well, not even that. This is kind of like the um, the Atlanta thing when they moved the All Star game from them. I just feel bad for their their businesses and yep. their revenue. Like it's just gonna hurt the area for something they're all looking forward to. And it's sad to see. Like, I personally wasn't going over to Tokyo to no. watch this thing, so it wouldn't affect me personally. But you just have to feel bad for all the people in the area. Of course. But, you know, you, you, you've you had you've had two years now to yeah, put this to, show on. Yep, you're right. You know, and they you just they taken. were not able to contain it long enough in, in order to put these games on. Should have been shut down until um, right now. <laughs> yeah, we talked about Shikari Richardson last week. We spoke in-depth about it. And she will not perform and now. She will not perform in the relay either, which is an interesting decision from Team USA. I'm not 100% sure why, considering the Olympics is when you're supposed to put your best out there, one through four. This isn't the playground in fourth grade where everybody, including little Timmy's got to play. That's not how this works. Batting order goes from one through 25 because right. everything needs to kick and kick ball. Exactly. <laughs> That's not what this is. You're supposed to be putting your best athletes out there. And I think blatantly not putting your top runner out there is disgraceful in a sense. I think if you're the United States, again, I, I'm, I, I'm sure there's reasons. I'm sure it's got a lot to deal with this, but that is, to me, is an embarrassment because you are blatantly not putting your best players on display who want to be there. It's not like basketball where they're not putting LeBron out there. LeBron doesn't want to be there. You know, like, that. that's different. She wants to be there, and they told her no. Like, I think that's that, to me, here's, leaves a sour, sour taste in my mouth. Here's the thing for everyone. I want to say, like, 29 to, like, 20 that has a legitimate opinion on what the Olympics want to do with Richardson. Our opinions sway on the rest of the world, I feel like, from everyone in our age bracket. For the simple fact that the Olympics are very, very traditional in the sense of we do not waver from these rules for anything. Regardless of the political climate, regardless of the war times, regardless of anything. Yep. They do not shift off those rules. And I think this is just another like stick to the world that, okay, we are the Olympics. This is how we do things. Nobody's um, going to be bigger than us. Right. And we talked about this last week. I think it's got, I think, I think a massive portion of this has to do with the lack of a precedent set 
by the world in terms of marijuana. Or maybe it's just the Olympic precedent. You do not screw around with drugs, period. Whatever right. they are. Alcohol, but, I mean, that's a lie, but still. Yeah, you're allowed to screw around with alcohol. Right. I think because we don't look at weed the same as we do alcohol, right. we don't have a clear precedent. Alcohol has a clear precedent. You shouldn't do it while you're going to the Olympics, but even if you do it, it it's your fault. Now, you know, with weed, everybody's got a different opinion on it. Different and country I think, rules. Right. And I think that's that's a big portion of it. But, Jolan, we did get some good news from a different country. Argentina won the Copa America final. Uh, Messi gets his first senior international Ball trophy. Messi. The one thing that I think has been eluding him his entire career. Uh, he finally has his hands on it. Uh, and, and good for him. Bright, proud of Messi. Uh, and all that he does, he's he's been, you know, you can argue he's the greatest of all time. And Ronaldo. he was the greatest of all time without a trophy. And, you know, finally he got one. We'd love to see him win a World Cup. But that's that's a whole different whole different story. Uh, Joel, we got one story to wrap it up. Uh, this recently came out, and I say recently as in, like, this morning. Denver police feared a Las Vegas-style shooting during the 2021 Major League Baseball All-Star Game. The police arrested four people and removed 16 long guns, body armor, and more than 1,000 rounds of ammunition from a hotel near Coors Field. And apparently it was found via a maid who was cleaning the room. Let's go. That is, um, guys, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm sick and tired. Let's go, maid. I'm sick and tired. Whatever you want to believe about whether the game should have been moved, not moved, the businesses, not the businesses, this is never okay. And, and, Sick and individuals. I, I don't care who, what these four people tell you. They were planning to shoot up Major League Baseball's All-Star game. Period. They're going to sit there in the interrogation room and tell you something different. Oh, we were just going to the range. BS. With this, this was a disgrace. This is a problem. This is not how we handle things. You know what, Johnny249684? You want to boycott the MLB All-Star game? Be my guest. Do not bring weapons to innocent civilians who have done nothing to you, your family, or hell, your even party. Okay? Disgusting. Leave this alone. Stop. Do there is no need for this. Because now, now the National Guard, I bet you, is coming in. Oh, dude. That's the National Guard, the SWAT team, there will be snipers everywhere. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be that way. No. Because it's a less welcoming atmosphere. It's less welcoming for kids. Kids are going to be like, oh, is this what a baseball game's like? Is this what a home run derby's like? No, it's not. But you've got these crazy people that are willing to do whatever to prove their point. That just sold 500 tickets to FBI and playing clothes. That's exactly what that just did. There's oh, yeah. going to be a bunch of unmarked police officers throughout that crowd, I bet. And, and, I, and I believe, I firmly believe, even though with all that security, something will happen. I don't know, I don't know the extent of it. I don't know if they get caught before they act, I but I do did. believe something will happen despite what they just confiscated. I think somebody's going to try to do something because people are extremely, extremely over the edge about this stuff and completely inconsiderate. And I bet you those four people might not even be baseball fans. It is baseball. It's never that serious. No. None of these games are. Yeah, ne never that serious. And people that act like that are obviously out of their mental. They cannot hold two yeah. cents of any conversation because they're just not are totally there. Like, they might be acting normal and speaking normal, but they will never be a normal human. Do not act like that, folks. And here's my thing. If you're going to boycott it, 
I'm not a curse. We don't curse here, but why, terrible. <laughs> why are you spending your money? Because they were clearly bought tickets to go to the game. Yeah, scumbags. You have to get in somehow. Scumbags. They were. They bought tickets. They sent Major League Baseball money after Major League Baseball did something that they hated enough to try to shoot up their All-Star game. Why wouldn't you just save the money, stay home, turn the TV off, watch Dancing with the Stars, do literally whatever you want? I'm glad we could talk about this instead of the aftermath. I yeah, really am. I, I shout am, out that maid. She's I am a too. trooper of this. And I shout am out too. police department, all law enforcement. We stand with you guys. And you that, don't stand with them? That's uh Pish posh. That's that's brutal, by the way. That is tough to find when in terms of like emotionally, when you walk in and you see that stuff, that is tough for that maid. So again, shout out to her and uh everything everything that they're doing. Again, I hope nothing happens on Monday or Tuesday night, but well, it could get scary here. Well, what's going to happen now is that whole entire hotel is going to be sweeped head to toe by the FBI. I think and, all of them will. Well, no, the they did, so they didn't buy tickets to the game. They're planning to sit in their window at Coors Field. I'm reading it. There's more Joe Pompolino's coming out more. So there's we're obviously going to stay in tune with this because a bunch of people are going to jail. But yeah. yeah. So they were trying to sit in a window from they the were hotel. Be, they were going to be snipers. One block from Coors Field with 16 guns and 1,000 rounds of ammunition. Guarantee the hotel gets sweeped now and everyone's safe. Lord only knows what damage could have been done there. But uh, that's going to wrap it up for episode 54. An intense ending. An intense Woo! ending uh, to another great episode, another fun episode. Uh, you can always reach out to me on Twitter and Instagram, at Goose on the Mic. Same, same handle for each social media. Joelon, how might the people be able to find you? And the podcast. Oh uh, yeah, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Good Old Joel's. You can follow us on Twitter at airitout.podcast and Instagram at podcast air it out. Any questions, comments, concerns, or compliments, you can reach us at those. And again, stay safe, folks. Yeah, we're we're gonna hopefully everybody stays safe. Enjoy the All Star Game. I know the Mets. Hopefully, we'll keep it on keep it on roll against Pittsburgh Pirates. Next week, we'll be back with episode fifty five. We'll see. Maybe we get Schaefer in the booth. Uh, we we got to try before uh, before we head our separate ways, and we will definitely make sure that happens for you. But Jolon, I already thinking next week is the Jolon episode, episode fifty five. Yes, sir. Uh, so we'll keep it rolling until next week, until episode fifty five, and until Pete Alonso wins the home run derby. Put it in the books, money on Matt Elson. <laughs>